Welcome back to Core Conversations, a CoreLogic podcast. I am your host, May Claire Bolton-Smith, and I'm the Senior Leader of Research and Content Strategy with CoreLogic. In this podcast, we'll have conversations with industry experts about key topics from housing affordability to the impacts of natural disasters on property. Browsing for homes has long been a hobbyist activity, even for people not looking to immediately purchase. I know my husband and I spent a whole year just recreationally showing up at houses before we were ready to buy, equal parts to check out neighborhoods and homes, and maybe for the cookies. But we all know plenty of people that enjoy exploring, model homes, complete with every upgrade, whether it be just a new kitchen or bathroom or the saunas, pools, or movie theaters. So today, part of the fun involves the online shopping experience exploring sites like Zillow, thinking of what could be. So a huge part of this experience, either for the casual purveyor or for the dedicated shopper, is seeing estimates from AVMs, or automated valuation models. These models will assign, based on a variety of inputs, the current market value of a home. In episode 15 of this podcast, we had Sherry Clevenger on the show to explain different types of valuations. And today, we're going to continue that conversation with Anne Reagan, Executive Product Management for Collateral Solutions. Anne, welcome to Core Conversations. Well, thank you, Meg Claire. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm a big fan of Core Conversations and yours. So I'm, uh, I'm ex- and I love to talk about AVM. So I'm happy to be here. Well, that is fantastic. And that's what we want to hear about today. So it's great to have you here. So why don't we get started by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do here at CoreLogic? Sure. So I manage a portfolio of analytic products for CoreLogic. Um, This includes things like our mortgage fraud solutions, our home price indices and forecasts, uh, some solutions for the secondary market, and um, pertinent today are AVM solutions. Um, prior to uh, becoming a product manager many, many, many years ago, I actually started uh, my career as a software engineer and worked on one of the first commercial AVMs back in the 90s. Um, and as I'm sure we'll get into today, my clear much has changed <laughs> over the I'm last sure it has. Over that 30 years, I hate to think, but yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, let's dive in. I mean, we hate using acronyms on here. I did just define this, but AVMs. Let's talk about this. What is an AVM? How does it work? What is it used for? So sure, it's automated valuation model, as you said. One of my favorite sort of misstatements, and I do it myself, is to say an AVM model, which is a little bit redundant because ah. that would be <laughs> automated valuation model model. Um, <laughs> but um, as I noted, they, they've been around for quite a while. There are a number of them on the market today, but there's a, you know, there's a couple things that they all have in common. Um, so at the, at the core of it, it is a, you know, an analytical or statistical model, or, or usually in most cases, a series of models kind of under the hood there using various techniques um, that may sound familiar, things like regression, neural networks, and, and more recently, artificial intelligence is coming into play, machine learning. Sure, um, yeah. But the, the sort of what we would say in the, in the modeling world that they all have the same target variable. They're all trying to predict the same thing which is to, to estimate the current market value of a subject property. So per, per your conversation with Sherry, it's, you know, this is the market value part of it. It's not the replacement, <laughs> any of those values. It's like, what would uh, you know, an arm's length buyer and seller pay for a property? Okay, so 
uh, the other thing I want to talk about, because we've talked about a number of things on this podcast, we recently had the appraisal coach. We've also had our chief appraiser, Sean Telford, from here at CoreLogic. And AVMs aren't replacing the work that appraisers do. It's just a tool that augments the analysis. Is, is that correct? Correct. So, I mean, AVMs are definitely, they're sort of more, their most traditional and longest standing use has been in the financial industry for risk management purposes. Um, and AVMs, you know, were heavily relied upon, you know, sort of prior to the, to the housing crisis in the mid 2000s. Um, and while they didn't really cause the crisis, they were certainly identified as a, as a contributing factor. So as a result, um, today lenders will still use AVMs uh, in, in underwriting loans, but it's, it's a heavily regulated, a lot of regulation coming out of the last housing crisis. So their use of those AVMs for that purpose is heavily regulated. Okay. Um, they're, they're required to do uh, extensive testing of the AVMs to understand how they perform, something that was not happening in the early 2000s. And also they're required to get uh, an actual property condition inspection. So someone, not a full appraisal necessarily, but someone's got to sort of do a drive-by, make sure that you know, the house is standing, there's not a hole in the roof. And, right. and if, okay. if they sort of combine that AVM with that property inspection, um, they can use it for things like home equity lending, uh, you know, refi where the risk is lower. But, mm -hmm. but really, the, you know, in most uh, purchase transactions, um, you know, the full appraisal is still warranted and used by most lenders. Okay. okay, so just kind of streamlines the process in certain situations where the risk is lower. Exactly. I, I would also know, too, that, you know, there's sort of this interdependence between AVMs and, and appraisers and appraisals, yeah. right? Um, uh, one of the inputs to AVMs is, is appraisal data, along with property data, MLS data. Um, so, you know, we're, you know, they'll use things like property characteristics and whatnot. They're also used to train appraised, you know, uh, appraisals can be used to train the models themselves as we move into this fun oh, new world of machine learning, right? Because you're right, sort of a yeah. appraiser, right? Knows the condition of the property. You know, they're going to have a really sort of expert opinion about what property, the market value properties. And we try to encode that opinion in the AVMs. So, uh, and then, you know, on the other side of the coin is appraisal management companies will use AVMs to determine the complexity of a property to assign an appraiser right. or to do quality control on an appraisal. So as I said, there, there's sort of, uh, there's this mutual dependence here that I mean, you know, will result in, in neither one supplanting the other, I think anytime soon. Yeah, well, that, that's great. And I, I appreciate that background. And I think that kind of helps us dive into what we're going to talk about today. And I think if we look a little bit more at use cases, you've mentioned a little bit that, you know, things go beyond mortgage underwriting. Uh, what are some of those other expanded use cases? And, and what does that mean for consumers? I mean, you mentioned refi and how that can streamline things a little bit, like from the consumer perspective, how are these useful? Well, and, and you mentioned this in your introduction, May Claire. I think you know what what I've certainly observed in the last you know five eight years here is sort of one of the the fastest growing what I would say alternative use cases for AVMs outside that traditional lender use case mm. is is marketing and consumer display. Um, you know, consumers are savvier than they have ever been in terms of wanting to understand you know what the the value of their home is. Right, it's a huge asset, your biggest asset, and I think. Yeah. Again, maybe as a result of the of the housing crisis 15, 20 years ago, 
people understand, and even what we're seeing today with market values changing so quickly, that I think consumers are much more attuned and wanting to have a better understanding of, you know, of what's going on with their property. So they're they're spending more time, as you noted, looking at at you know at consumer sites, you know, um, you know, real estate sites, and really trying to get uh, an understanding of what their properties are worth. Um, but yet there is a sort of a difference between these in, traditionally these values that you may see on one of those consumer-facing sites which you know, we would term as sort of more of a marketing AVM. Um, okay. And they tend to, to sometimes overvalue the, the value of a property, right? They tend to overstate it a yeah. little bit. People like to, you know, it's, again, it's a big asset. People like to think their home is going up in value and that they're, um, you know, they've got a great asset there. Now, lending quality AVMs, which are used by the lenders in contrast, mm. tend to be a bit more conservative, right? The lenders sure, are lending money yeah. on the basis of yeah. that, right? So they tend to be a bit more conservative and there's a, they're subject to, as I mentioned earlier, a lot more testing um, and auditing for consistency. So what you end up with then is the sort of valuation dichotomy where mm. you know, you've got the consumer seeing one value, um, thinking a home is worth a certain, certain value when they're going to sell their, their home or buy a new one. And then, you know, as you work your way down the loan pipeline, now you've got, um, you know, the lender potentially using a different AVM. And mm-hmm. now you've got this sort of this conflict that leads to some <laughs> some consternation on the part of all parties. Yeah. Consumers may be familiar with a similar issue with credit scores. Oh, right. Sure. Yeah. You're, right. You're. Um, you know, people, things like Credit Karma and other places now, I know I get a, my my credit score on my credit card statement every month, right? And mm-hmm. I think, oh, good, if I want to go buy something, that's the score the lender will use. Nope, they're using a different version of that score. Right. And again, you can yeah. have these similar issues where they don't always match. And then, you know, then you've got problems. That's great. And I'm glad you made that analogy, too, because I think, you know, credit scores are something everybody's familiar with. We we all can see them every time we log into our bank accounts these days. We see them on our credit card statements. And but, you know, when you have some doing something like applying for a loan, they have this other magical number that you can't ever see. And why is it different? So I think that's a really uh, it's an analogy that people can really relate to. Mm-hmm. Um I know I am not the only person on the planet that logs into Zillow on a regular basis and sees the value of my home. And that value of my home is probably a little inflated from what the actual value of my home would be if I were to purchase my home today or if I were to sell it. And I know I often go, well, why are they different? And 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 I think from, again, from that consumer perspective, you talked about this a little bit too, like how can these conflicting values, which serve different purposes, mm-hmm. how can it be reconciled? It's, yeah, it's, a, it's an excellent question, May Claire, and it's actually one we sort of recognized a few years ago here at CoreLogic, um, as we would get, you know, lenders would come to us, you know, um, consumers, right, we would sort of observe this, this mismatch between these mm-hmm. two values. So we actually uh, embarked on, you know, uh, a, a huge uh, initiative to build a completely new AVM from the ground up. Um, to address this need that we know is candidly, I think this is where the industry is going. We're going to see more and more of these, what I would call, you know, non-lending use cases. And therefore, you know, we really felt it was important to have an analytic that could serve all those use cases. Um, So so what we did was build this model using things like, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, 
all our, our CoreLogic data assets. And what we've done is we've built a single model that we can basically configure or tune for those different use cases. So okay. for that, that more traditional lending and risk management use case, we'll sort of optimize the AVM for accuracy because that is the, the sort of paramount <laughs> objective for lenders. Yeah. But for consumer and marketing, marketing use cases, um, we'll optimize it more for coverage um, trading off okay. a little bit of the accuracy because it is also frustrating as a consumer to log on to Zillow and, and not to be able to get a value for your property, right? right. So yeah. AVMs don't work on 100% of the U.S. housing stock for the most part. Okay. Um, so, um, so I think it's important to, um, you know, sort of be able to provide values uh, that are, you know, give the consumer some idea of the quality and, and, uh, and current valuation of their property without um, sort of sacrificing that accuracy for the lender. Right. Okay. So I guess I kind of hear that too, as a bit as the accuracy is super important for the lender for obvious reasons, because they are, it's a risk management issue. They're lending money. Uh, but accuracy is kind of viewed as maybe not quite as important for the average consumer. It's it's a number that's, it's like, it's a, it's a guide. It's something to give them a high level overview of what the market value of their home is versus the, you can lay your money on this, that this is the value of your home. Is that kind of a, a simplistic way of looking at it? Correct. Correct. It is. And, and, you know, where, um, in our case, where the AVM provides a value in both use cases, it's the same, you know, yeah. so if, right. So if you've got a house that, you know, the lending, uh, model says it's worth 250k, and then you you want to display that to consumer. It'll still say 250k. Okay. The difference could be there'll be another house, maybe a harder to value house, that you know the the lending AVM would say, mm, this one I don't have enough data, or I have conflicting data, okay. and I can't render a value for this because AVMs will do that, right? If, if sure. it feels like it just doesn't have enough information to give you an answer, it doesn't give you a wrong answer. It would just give right. you no answer. Um, but it, for the marketing, you know, in a consumer display use case, it's like, well, I can still display this answer and it's mm -hmm. going to be, it's going to be, it's going to still be within the realm of, of reasonableness in terms of the value of that property, but it's probably not going to be quite as accurate as right. that lending quality use case. Cause that's what, uh, you know, when you were sort of measuring the accuracy for ABMs, we're looking at how close the AVM value comes to that actual sale price when the house is sold. Right. That's how right. We term, and we just measure, is it 5% away? Is it 10% away? Um, so again, that, that band, that valuation band is going to be a lot narrower for that lending use case than that consumer and marketing use case. Sure. Yeah. And I think it's pretty easy to appreciate that too, because it's, it's the complexity of it and the importance of why it needs to be so precise and accurate for the lending purpose. So thank you for kind of diving into that with me. Um, so you talked a little bit about what we've done here at CoreLogic. Uh, I know there's something called total home value to the power of X. And I think that's what you were started to alluding to. Uh, what is the benefit of this over other AVMs, either to the consumer or the lender? And just kind of this whole topic that we've been talking about, how it's you know important to both, but maybe a little different to both. Can you talk a little bit about total home value X? Sure. Sure. And there's, you know, I, you know, I would say there's a number of benefits, but um, 
in terms of this sort of benefit of this single model, um, there's benefit to both the consumer and the lender, right? As I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna end up getting valuations for a higher percentage of homes, which is okay. beneficial to the consumer, right? Gives you the chance to monitor the value of of your home. Uh, candidly, it's also beneficial, you know, for the lenders who are usually the ones that are providing. Uh, these values or, or other, you know, uh, you know, real estate sites, right? They're trying to, to create leads, uh, mm-hmm. usually for mortgage loans, but sometimes for other purposes, loan consolidation or other things. So, so the benefit to the lender of that, um, you know, higher, what we would call coverage is they get more, more leads, right? Because they're able to value more properties. Sure, um, yeah. But so you get that, that benefit in terms of actually being able to see the value. But probably the, the bigger benefit comes for both parties when you get this consistency evaluation. So, you know, if, if I'm, you know, a lender ABC and I serve up a, a, a marketing AVM to a consumer on my website because I want to draw a consumer in to apply for a mortgage loan, they'll see, you know, they'll be delivered a value. And then when that same lender now pulls a, a lending quality AVM potentially to do, a, you know, maybe a, a pre-approval of a loan mm-hmm. for that consumer to, to buy or sell a property, they're going to be using that same model and get a more consistent valuation. So you sure. don't run into these issues on sort of the end of the underwriting life cycle, where you might have, you know, a consumer, you know, thinking a home is worth, you know, 500k. And now either that lending AVM says, oh, it's only worth 450 or an appraiser, right? Again, as we talked right. about earlier yeah. on, a lot of times, you know, appraiser will come into play here. And, and they'll look around at the comps and go, yeah, no, this is only worth 450 and we can't justify that. <laughs> right, um, yeah. So it sort, of, it sort of smooths over, if you will, that, that life cycle all the way from, you know, the marketing consumer at the starting point right through underwriting and, right. and sort of allows a consistency evaluation. Okay. And the consistency, I think, is key. So does it, does it kind of eliminate or make up for the appraisal gap that we hear about sometimes too is that potential we talked about that a little bit on some of our previous podcasts um it can can certainly help there right i i would say in this current market right um you know offers are coming in at 10 20 percent over the listing price yeah so you know that gap for uh you know appraisals is being caused by the fact that you know appraisers look around at comps and what they're being listed for Um, and saying, I'm not sure I can support that price. Now, you know, AVMs, you know, are are in terms of being able to sort of keep up with those market changes, for example, we use our our home price forecast as an input to Mm -hmm. our total home value. So that allows us to sort of look ahead to where we think those prices are going and allows us to sort of do a, a pretty good job then of keeping up with those market changes. So I think it can help a little bit there. But in, in these kind of markets where prices are going up so steeply, it's a it's a it's a tough challenge to overcome um, because it's you know I think the lenders are a little bit concerned right they're about yeah. to lend you money based on that and you know if if there is some sort of default in the future their recourse is to sell that asset and you know right. if that asset was overvalued by ten or twenty percent there's a possibility that then they're going to lose that money. So, um, right. so that's a, yeah, that's a tough challenge. The appraisal gap, maybe I'm sure. a little, but probably don't solve it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no. And, and we've talked about this a, a number of times too on, on this podcast and I've, 
talked about examples of how we bid $150,000 to $200,000 over asking price on a house just because the market is so – and this was three years ago when we bought our house. It, it's just the market drives that. So I can understand how it it can't make up for all of that. It's because there are market fluctuations and demands that happen that I don't think any any model could ever account right. for it, just yeah. given that's it's human behavior. It's a, it's a, And you want to have a place to live, right? If you, know, yeah. you almost are forced into it, if you, know, you want to be able to buy a house and have a place to live. Yep. Yeah, no, definitely. So, okay, you've talked a little bit about machine learning and some of the kind of techie side of, you know, adding to the world today. Uh, if I like to sometimes finish off these podcasts by saying if you had a crystal ball, and everybody tells me they don't have a crystal ball, but use your imagination. If we had to think of what does the future hold for AVMs? Is it is machine learning and kind of those tech-driven world value adds? Is is that where we're going for AVMs? Where where do you see the future going? Well, it's and it's a it's a great question, McLaren. I think you know I, it's been really fascinating for me over the last I don't know ten years or so of managing our AVM products at CoreLogic to sort of watch the improvement and and actually just you know over even since the the housing crisis to see the significant improvement both in terms of that accuracy measure as well as coverage, mm-hmm. right? You know, I, when sure. I built the first AVM 30 years ago, it was it was an Excel macro that I hand delivered quarterly wow. <laughs> on, on floppy disks, <laughs> just to give you a feel for it. Um, but now as I look ahead, right, you know, we've got, you know, vast data assets that are increasing every day. You know, um, you know we're adding things like, you know, image processing. Of, of photos of the property to be able to sort of extract condition. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll get to the point where consumers, right, can take mm. their own photos, right? And we'll save, sure. yeah. you know, save them, uh, you know, the cost and, and inconvenience potentially of having someone come in the house, which has not been popular during the pandemic. Um, right. yeah. So we, you know, we can see just sort of more data always will, you know, will always be a, a race <laughs> to get more data and more input, which is what, can make the models more predictive. But the other sort of key uh, aspect here, and we certainly leverage it ourselves, is cloud computing. Ah, and, okay. Because when you get more data and, and, you, and you have more statistical models and more sophisticated models, you need more CPU oomph right. to so, be able to sort of process all that in, in any sort of reasonable time and cost. So, you know, as we've as we've made the move to, to the cloud, we're able to sort of process, you know, whatever petabytes, terabytes of data in a reasonable amount of time. Um, so I think we, we certainly see that happening. Um, and then as we, you know, as, as AVMs improve in that performance, I think we may see sort of broader adoption of them. Um, you know, we're expecting uh, uh, some more regulation around AVM use to come out at the end of this year. Okay. Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll see what that says in terms of where, and how lenders are are able to use AVMs, you mm-hmm. know, to support that that underwriting process. Um, but I think, as I said, as the performance continues to improve, much like credit scores were, you know, if you think about it, 30 years ago, nobody knew, you know, what yeah. credit score was or what it meant to them. But yeah. I think we're sort of in the midst of that transformation as consumers have a better understanding of AVMs and what you know the impact on on their financial situation is and 
and uh, you know, uh, lenders get more comfortable with their performance. We'll see them, you know, sort of more broadly used. Well, that that's really helpful and that's really interesting. And and I think good to hear that regulations are coming into place as well too. And and I know we're seeing that on the appraisal side. We're seeing that on on every part of the property ecosystem. And I think it's just something we need to keep our eye on as the future continues. And maybe we'll have you back in the future as well to talk about progress on things. Anne, I think that would be great. But this has been great. It's been so interesting and I'm sure relevant to so many of the people out there listening because I would challenge anybody to tell me they haven't looked at a real estate site in the last couple of months to look at, you know, either the value of their home or another potential home, just as they may be window shopping or internet shopping as it may be. Uh, Cause I think this is something that a lot of people do quite often. So it's good to have just that little bit of background information. So thank you for that. And this has been great. Oh, it's been my pleasure, my Claire. And yes. And as you know, not only is it fun to look at your own home, it's fun to look at your neighbor's home. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, Indeed. It's a popular yes. pastime. What's going on over there next door? That's <laughs> very true. Very true. So, well, thank you so much for being here on Core Conversations at Core Logic Podcast. For more information on the property market and the housing economy, please visit us at corelogic.com/intelligence. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. Please remember to leave us a review and let us know your thoughts and subscribe wherever you get your podcast to be notified when new episodes are released. And thanks to the team for helping bring this podcast to life. Producer Rhea Tarakia and editor and sound engineer Romeo Roman. Tune in next time for another core conversation. Mm-hmm.